0: Welcome to episode 22 of Epstop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Today's guest is a friend of mine from Portland, Oregon, uh, TJ Thorne. TJ is a really fantastic artist and one of the most uh, thoughtful guys um, that uh, I follow on social media. I really enjoy just his introspection and the way that he presents himself online. And he's got a great sense of humor as well. And we talked to some great topics, um, including his artist in residency that he did down in Crater Lake National Park. Um, We talked about uh, the photograph moves you or it doesn't. The process is irrelevant, which I thought was a great conversation. Talked about general Debaggery baggery in the wilderness that's going on right now, including the White Pocket incident, Eagle Creek fire, things like that, and why we photograph. Um, hey, take, take a chance to rate the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and um, love to hear your feedback. Reach out to me on social media, Matt Payne Photography or at Matt Payne Photo. Thanks so much. all right well man tj thorn it's awesome to have you on the podcast man
1: yeah thanks for having me
0: absolutely it's a, yeah we've been it's an honor <laughs> I'm glad you could we could finally get, get it to work with you, all of the traveling you got coming up. Oh yeah. I'm a little bit jealous uh you're going to the uh the enchantments.
1: Yep. Um uh what is today? Today is Sunday, so yeah, we're going to head up on Tuesday, then we start hiking in on Wednesday. And uh we're going to be spending about four nights up there, I believe. Oh uh, man, that's shooting away.
0: That's a place that I always wanted to visit, I
1: yeah, it's been on my list for a very long time, but I knew that it was a, a huge pain in the butt to get permits, so I didn't even go through with it, <laughs> because uh, coordinating, um, you know, my whole entire life to make that happen uh, seemed unlikely, so, um, but things opened up a little bit for me, and uh, it was actually uh, one of my friends that got the permit. Um, two of them applied, and one of them got it, so we... Uh, ended up all getting invited so it's pretty sweet
0: that's awesome and you're going up there with um like michael bolino and alex yep. noriega yep. Um, and...
1: yeah alex is the one that actually got the permit um so there was a group of eight of us um and it has whittled itself down so it's going to be uh myself alex noriega ted gore michael bolino and eric bennett
0: yeah that's like an all-star cast <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> hopefully uh you know all those guys are super good so hopefully uh Nothing catastrophic will happen on the trip, and we'll all bring back uh, some great photos.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I just got back. Um, sh- I was shooting fall colors down here for like five days, oh, and nice. ran into a bunch of really cool people. Um, some of it was planned, and some of it was unplanned, but it was it was good to have some some people to shoot with. I actually shot a couple of days with um, Trevor Anderson and oh, yeah. Bri- and Brian Swan
1: yep yep i know those guys
0: so that was that was pretty cool and then um i shot several days with my buddy kane engelbert and um brent dozerman um and um yeah it was awesome man it was it was a good time uh <laughs> i cool. managed to get my car stuck in a, in, a, in a giant hillside of mud so i had to get my car towed out so that was fun okay. <laughs>
1: uh, I've, I've had my share of that. We just got back. Uh, my girlfriend and I just got back from the Steens Mountain Wilderness down in southeastern Oregon. Uh, yeah. Shooting the the aspens down there. It's like the one spot that Oregon has some aspens.
0: Yeah. I um, never made it down there either. Yeah. It was it. it was pretty awesome.
1: You know, we it's spent p- uh, like three or four nights and
0: yeah. Just how far is that from Portland? Like six hours?
1: Uh, yeah, six to eight. Um, Oof. Yeah, but it's you know it's a, it's an easy drive. It's it's pretty, and I, I love the desert down there. You know, it's.
0: Oh, Albor, yeah. It's. Yeah,
1: I mean, or just you know, just the high desert too. I mean, the Albert Desert Playa is you know, it's, it is what it is. It's pretty cool to go down there and um, drive as fast as you can and and <laughs> hang out and stuff. Um, but for me, the magic is up in the mountains, and uh, there's a f- a four wheel drive road that goes along one of the gorges that we just kind of. Had some really good stands of aspens, and we just hung out there for a couple of days and poked around the forest. Uh, but we, the the colors were a little later this year, so we actually ended up syncing up with uh, the first day of uh, deer season. Oh. So we did not have our hunter's orange. Right. Um, and we were, you know, normally you see some people like hikers and, and other photographers uh, bouncing around down there, but we definitely felt out of our element with uh <laughs> just being surrounded by hunters
0: Um, yeah we ran into some moose hunters when we were out which is weird i didn't even know you could hunt moose but apparently you can
1: (laughs) interesting i I don't hunt anything i hunt yeah i
0: don't i don't hunt myself
1: i guess we were all Um, down there shooting something right
0: (laughs) exactly um so hey one of the things i wanted to ask you about um that i i remembered from um following you is um you did a artist-in-residency program in, at Crater Lake? Yeah. And I was... was uh, yeah, I was curious, like, how how did you get that? What is, what is that all about? Like, what what did... It, you know, tell me about it.
1: Um. Well, it was back in 2014, the end of October, and uh, one of my friends, a mutual friend on Facebook, had sent me the link um, to it. I did not know that anything like that existed, and <sighs> a lot of the national parks have uh, artists-in-residency programs, and basically... Um, You go to their, you know, you find it on the interwebs and the Googles and stuff. And they have different criteria. Uh, They, at least for Crater Lake, they were um, taking an established artist and an emerging artist. And at that point in time, I had kind of just started getting into photography. So I was considered an emerging artist. Um, I had to write a proposal on what I was going to be doing down there with the end game uh, as set by them being documenting um, or somehow communicating the effects of climate change on the park through your art.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, um, so I had to write a proposal kind of about that, my ideas. um, Had two letters of recommendation written and I put it in, never thought I'd hear back and I got the phone call. And Yeah, so I was down there for two weeks Wow, uh, yeah, at the end of october, so i I chose as late as I could go because I was hoping to be there when it snowed, and oh, the whole yeah. entire first week it was just it was pretty much just blue skies and sunny weather. I was hiking in a t shirt <laughs> uh, but the last couple of days of the residency, I started getting some interesting weather and actually the first snowfall of the season, so that was exciting that's awesome, but yeah, it was uh it was hard because you know I was. Still, kind of coming into myself as an artist, or at least you know, barely scratching the surface of you know, artistry and kind of how I thought about it and and considered myself an artist. And I had this external uh, thing going on. You know, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, it was it was an external force, not an external force, just. It was somebody else's parameters being put around my art. Like I had oh, to uh-huh. communicate this about something instead of right. like coming at it from some somewhere internal. It was this external thing. So, I struggled with that at the beginning. I didn't know how to handle that. And um, the more I thought about it while I was there, I just said, you know what, fuck it. I'm just going to take the pictures I would normally take. Um, you know, I'll try to focus on the things that are being affected by climate change within the park. But I'm just going to I'm just going to create art. You know, for myself and not worry about that. That, uh, that external um, force that was coming in. Um, yeah, what, yeah, and I, I,
0: what did you what did you get out of the experience?
1: Um, well, it was you know I've I always lived a very kind of fast life. I talk fast, I walk fast. Um, <laughs> I grew up working in kitchens, so you know I, I work fast and it was one of the first times in my life with photography where for two weeks, I had basically no responsibilities other than photography, yeah, and it was like it was it was like the world had been lifted off my shoulders. It was very cathartic. I remember when I got there, like I had been looking forward to this moment for you know a year, half a year. I can't remember how far in advance I had found out that uh, I was gonna be doing it. Um, but when I got there, I just like walked up to the rim and you know I was documenting things, uh, you know, my experiences and my thoughts and things, and putting them on YouTube and uploading them to Facebook. And I just set my camera up, and I got in front of the camera, and like I just started crying. It was just like such a relief to be, you know, given that opportunity um, so early on. And yeah, I just felt really grateful and lucky. And and yeah, you know, I got to spend two weeks just paddling around the uh, rim of Crater Lake and talking with people, and you know, just kind of having the place to myself.
0: That's amazing. I I I would love to have an experience like that. Did you find the the two weeks was too long, long enough, too short.
1: Um, it was it was a good amount. It went by yeah. faster, you know. Knowing that I had to go back to reality um, was hard to swallow, but right, uh, it was it was a good amount of time. You know, I, I would have liked to have more weather because you know, Crater Lake, aside from the lake um, itself and some of the trees, it's basically just dirt and rocks and not pretty dirt and rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so bright, harsh light um, in blue skies with no clouds or no, no interest, uh, beside that, um, doesn't make for the kind of photography that I like to do. So (laughs) the the first week and, you know, the first week and a half, I basically, I was a little disappointed in the weather and the photos that I was getting, but, you know, I was just taking the opportunity to just relax. I thought I was going to camp the whole entire time, but I basically had a 12 bunk cabin, um, about a mile off the rim, all to myself. Oh, wow. And it was hard to, uh, hard to get myself out of that for the nights but, <laughs> but yeah it was, it was a good time
0: yeah I, I feel like i would do i would shoot a lot of night stuff if if i had that opportunity because that's a pretty sweet spot for night photography yeah
1: it is and you like for some reason i just can't get into night photography like i have a couple select night shots but it's just it's not my jam yeah I guess it's-
0: it's not for everyone.
1: Yeah. I guess I, I like I like the light from my our own sun more than other suns, I guess.
0: <laughs> right. Well, there's not a whole lot of light generated by the other the other yeah. ones. That's true. Are, too. <laughs> makes it more challenging for sure. But um, I do
1: I do like to go out uh, in the daytime and um, take photos with the sun in it and say I'm doing star photography.
0: <laughs> Technically, you right. The sun is a star. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> so uh you talked about that kind of being the first time you f- you um you felt like you considered yourself um an artist. I'm assuming that since then you feel like you've grown some as an artist um how how has that process um connected you um with the environment? And, and and how does that play into how you do photography?
1: Um, well, you know, it's, I think the, you know, discovering yourself as an artist is obviously a journey. It's not something that just kind of clicks. And for me, it came from a lot of thinking, um, uh, a lot of things that I can't really put into words, but uh, just a lot of, like, self-awareness about what I like and a lot of thinking about, you know, because there are certain things that I don't like to shoot, um, uh-huh. and early on, you know, it's it's nice to get a pretty picture and to process that pretty picture and put that pretty picture up, but it's it's hard to um, to say exactly what it, what it is about the photo that you're drawn to, or what it is about photography that you're drawn to, or what you're trying to say with photography. And I think you know just recently i've been coming a little bit more into that and discovering you know what my purpose is and what i'm trying to communicate or what what my motivation for photography is basically and you know i i've discovered that you know i like i like portraying wild beauty um so you know when it comes to those popular places that are overshot oh my god did you hear that (laughs) No. In the background, no. Okay, huh. my, dog, my dog just coughed.
0: It was very loud. Oh.
1: <laughs> lovely dog. Thank you. Um, where was I? Um, but Yeah, wild, it was um, wild
0: places and yeah, and not wild so places popular.
1: Yeah. So you know, like you know, I obviously you know being in Portland, I'm very close to the gorge, and that place is very, or was very busy and very overshot. Um, yeah, but yeah I'm kinda, I'm kind of losing track of myself here. Um, well
0: I, I guess I'll try to steer you. Um, I'm, I'm just curious you say that you um, you feel like you're starting to find yourself in what the purpose of your photography is so I'm curious what is that? I what is that purpose?
1: So you know come it goes back to uh, it slows me down. Basically, you know, like I said, I live fast, I talk fast, walk fast, Mm. all that stuff. Photography slows me down. Um, Before I was into photography itself, I was an avid hiker, and I would go on hikes, you know, four or five days a week, being so close to the gorge. And it was all about the elevation gain and the mileage and just go, 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 go. But uh, the more I was getting into photography, the more that the ships became about the photos and less about the elevation gain and the mileage and it really kind of slows me down and helps me to connect with the environment in a more intimate way rather than just speeding on uh-huh. through it so you know when i stand in the stream i get to feel the water permeate my socks and cool my feet and i get to feel the mist on my face and watch the shadows you know fall across the land and and i i really notice these things so you know i feel like photography for me it's when i'm out there it's not necessarily about getting a pretty photo but i'm using photography to slow myself down and experience the environment um, in a more intimate way and sometimes a photo is the byproduct of that so mm. you know i'm not out to ins- i'm not necessarily out to inspire other people to go out and enjoy nature um unfortunately or, or maybe fortunately, or or neither it's it's more of a selfish reason you know i i go out to to connect to nature that is where i have fought very many um large personal demons and you know i I talk about that in a lot of my images Um, almost every photo that i have has some kind of text that goes along with it that talks about where i am in life or what i was going through or experiencing and maybe how that photo itself kind of helped me deal with that or how the photo represents that. So when I look at my portfolio, I see this, you know, chronological, um, hmm. story of my life. And yeah, I can see, I can see the ups and I can see the downs and like, you know, huh. like I'm looking, I'm looking back upon photos like, you know, from a year and a half, two years ago, i um, talking about like how, you know, I'm trying to grow in, in not such direct terms. Um, I'm, you know, I'm basically trying to grow myself as a photographer so that I can hopefully do it full time. And, here I am today, you know, <laughs> two weeks into uh, not having a job and having photography be my sole income. Um, so I get to look back upon that, and, you know, it's, it's basically a story of my life. And, you know, it's that's kind of how really I deal cool. with it. yeah. Yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of how I deal with it. So I'm not out to, you know, make a pretty picture. I'm out to, meet you know, I'm basically, I'm out there talking to the landscape, talking to nature through my camera, and sometimes it talks back with a photo that I like, that connects with me. Um, So
0: that's one of the things I've always really um, enjoyed about following your photography is how introspective you are through your images. Just kind of what you described. Um, It always seemed like you um, always had. You're deeply emotional. I always feel like, um, (laughs) which (laughs) yes, I I am. (laughs) I'm not super duper emotional. Although when I'm like in uh when i'm in nature you know my wife always makes fun of me because i get really excited about seeing like certain types of things like a mountain like in good light or like flowers or you know a, a waterfall or something like that like i get really really giddy and excited and and stuff like that but i don't i don't necessarily have the same experience of um i don't know like I don't use the landscape as a canvas for my emotional state, which I think is really interesting that you're able to do that. Cause I don't, I don't think I have that or at least I haven't needed to do that. It's, it's interesting.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's different for everyone. You know, we all have our reasons and, you know, everybody's reason is, you know, completely, completely fine for them. Um, But yeah, you know, like I said, I, I fought a lot of demons out there, you know, when, when I needed to, you know, and, and this is something else that, you know, I'm, i'm fairly open about is you know i i had a problem with alcohol you know it wasn't a very long problem but you know it was definitely taking parts of my life um that i really cared about and just smashing them to bits um, mm-hmm. so when i talk about fighting those personal demons a lot of it has to do with that um and when i went hiking i knew that i was safe and
0: right I would go you out were there and, drinking you know, and, yeah yeah
1: and like i would i would go out there and i would I would just do my best to like you know what like forget all that like you know touch these trees touch these ferns like feel the rain like hiking in the rain was one of my favorite things to do it just felt like i was just being cleansed you know like and just walking up creeks and just in you know getting getting into the environment and that's kind of right around when i really started getting into photography and i found that getting into the photography part of it took me even more into the landscape so that's how i connect with it and when i get out in nature you know oftentimes like you know or or previously before you know when i was working a very hectic steady stressful frustrating job uh it would take me a while to like come back down and find my center and but i knew when i when i knew when i did because i would get goosebumps or i would i would get that certain feeling in the pit of my chest that just kind of told me that this is where this is life this is living you know all that other stuff back in the city like you know that's that's nothing. That's just a waste of time. This is living. This is what I need to make um, my life more about. So, you know, I, I, I do a lot of thinking about that and, you know, how much, how limited our time on this earth is and how we waste it, you know, and in, in guilty still of just sitting on Facebook or doing nothing when, you know, um, a good way to put it is there. there's a, a movie, or it's a book actually called The Sheltering Sky, but in the movie, um, the author, Paul, Paul Bowles at the end is talking about you know how and I'll, I'll paraphrase here, but mostly on point. He says uh, because we don't know when we will die, we tend to think of life as an inexhaustible well. But if you were to put a number on the certain uh, on certain things, like how many times we'll experience them, it's actually pretty damn small. Like right. how many how many more sunsets are we going to see in our lifetime? You know we think of like you know oh every day every day every day, but like really like I don't know like 50, 60 you know I'm, I don't know. But how many more times am I going to be able to pick my son up? How many more times am um, I going to go get to photograph Elowah Falls before it's consumed by fire? You know, how, there's a very limited number of times. So I've been trying to spend my life uh, making those times that I can think back upon um, with, as a memory uh, more yeah. frequent. You know, instead of, like, standing in line or sitting in traffic or sitting on Facebook, like, get up and go out and create a memory, create an experience, because those are the things that we're going to remember. We're not going to remember punching the clock or providing customer service for this person or doing that. You know, it's it's those really soulful things that we're going to remember for the rest of our lives. And when we have our bad times, it's those times that we think about. So the more we have those, um, the stronger our life and, you know, everything's going to be. So I do a lot of thinking about that, and which is, you know, Kind of why I wanted to do landscape photography for a living because, you know, all that other stuff is just a waste of time.
0: Yeah. So, so you just now, like in the last couple of weeks, uh, went full time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we'll, uh, see. Ner- we'll see. Nervous. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I'm not good with uncertainty or money. So. Yeah. Me neither. This is <laughs> not up my alley. Um, but you know, it's it had gotten very frustrating. You know, I had worked for the same company for fifteen years, fifteen years, six months, and seventeen days. I think was the total count. Wow! Yeah, um, and it was. Well, you know,
0: where, where did you work?
1: Uh, I worked for Whole Foods Market. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I, you know, I when I started with them, I was just a young punk who was in need of a job in a new city that I'd never been to, and. You know, I, like I said, I grew up in kitchens, so I was a cook. And they brought me on as a cook. And, you know, lo and behold, I had more to offer than just being a young punk. And, uh, you know, certain people showed me that and kind of coached me along the way. And I ended up, you know, moving my way up, um, becoming department manager of a really hectic team. And, uh, you know, it was, it was it was very stressful. I had 55 people that I was in charge of, $100,000 a week in sales, and all the stress and frustration that went along with it. Um, yeah. and you know, that's, like I said, that's kind of when I started getting into landscape photography when, you know, I was about at the, uh, end of my rope there and, you know, I decided that, uh, that that was not living, you know, that was life, but it wasn't living and I felt more alive and more fulfilled when I was doing uh, photography. So I was going to try to grow that business and I gave myself a five year goal of working for myself and five years later I've met that goal. So nice. Well, hopefully, you know, see uh you know, at the end it was it was uh I couldn't grow my business because I couldn't leave my job and I couldn't leave my job because I couldn't grow my business, but
0: Right, 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 right. Uh,
1: with uh certain certain companies buying out certain other companies, Amazon buying out Whole Foods, um I was able to uh cash in on some some money and create a little nest egg for myself. So, that's what I'm going to be using to launch myself into the landscape photography profession
0: <laughs> hey well congrats full-time. man i think a Thanks. lot of people um a lot of people out there are probably envious of that um i don't know if i would do want to do it full-time personally but just because i feel like once you make it business then it starts to make it less enjoyable but may you know maybe not depends on the person probably yeah. you know I think it all depends
1: um, on how you line yourself up, you know. Like I, I love teaching, um, and yeah, I yeah. love seeing people uh, connect to nature um, through photography. Um, yeah. So if I can help them connect to nature through photography and help themselves grow as a person and as an artist, um, that's pretty awesome.
0: Uh, Absolutely.
1: And you know the the feedback that I've gotten from clients thus far um, gives me hope uh, so, I um, <laughs> feel like I, you're doing a
0: good job, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I
1: think I provide a good, you know, I, I, like I said, I come from, you know, a, the hospitality background and, um, I right, right. definitely cater, um, to, to my clients and, you know, I, I want them to be happy. And if they go home with a smile on their face and a full heart, then, and, and know a little bit more about photography, then I've, I feel like I've done my job.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So uh,
0: you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Eagle Creek um, and the the fire. Um, I was, I, I think I had mentioned to you yesterday about the um, incident that happened at White Pocket, where it looks yep. like someone used like some blue smoke or something and just completely stained like a huge section of rocks. And I know, like you know, it just keeps. It seems like it just keeps happening. These events where people just destroy. Uh, these amazing places. Um, what do you What do you think that's all about? Like, you know, are th- people just jerks or what? <laughs>
1: I, I think we're all wondering that, um, and I wish I knew. You know, I. I think the general consensus is that it comes down to education. You know, we have a lot of people that, you know, are just discovering these these lands through social media and don't necessarily have that deep profound connection to it you know i i remember uh, i think it was last year i was up on this creek that used to be i mean it it it, it's so it's gorton creek in the gorge um there's a waterfall you walk up the creek there's a waterfall there um you know five years ago i was going skinny dipping there um (laughs) right right and you know last year you go up and there's going to be 10 people there like half of them like you know under the age of 10 So, you know, that. And and I remember seeing on one of the logs, uh, somebody had tagged the log with a Sharpie um, with their Instagram name. Like, hey, follow me on Instagram. Yeah. So I I called the dude out on Instagram, and he and his friends uh, didn't get it. Like, they were very defensive, and, you know, I'm trying to come at it from an educational way. I'm like, hey, you know, this this is ruining the experience of other people like keep natural places natural you know the all that right um, crap that we say Leave and, no trace hello and they're like well this is you know that is part of my experience who are you to tell me that i can't have my experience by writing my instagram name on this log and i'm just oh like my God. so it's it's these people you know like and, and it's definitely you know uh, social media has a huge part in it um You know, it's it's a blessing and a curse. So it's yeah, these people find these places on social media. They don't have the, they wouldn't be out there otherwise. So they don't have that personal connection. They don't have like you know, those those demons that I fought in the gorge and in the forest. Like they don't have that connection to it. To them, it's just like a cool place to go and to get likes. And the same thing there. Like I went back through this dude's Instagram and he had a blue smoke bomb in Onionta Gorge, a blue smoke bomb at or at uh, Gorton Creek Falls.
0: Oh my you know, god, really? Then, Maybe it's the same asshole. No.
1: I mean, I, I do believe that the kid was from Vancouver and the Eagle Creek kid was from Vancouver. Um But oh. I d I don't think. You know, it it's well, like
0: not I meant the uh, the white pocket. Oh the white thing. pocket.
1: You know, like that whole smoke bomb thing, like I see I see a lot of that on Instagram and it's just it's like the tr- it's like a trend now, I guess. It's I, it's, it's I haven't been, seen it. Really? I, mean,
0: I guess I haven't paying attention but
1: it's the new steel wool photo, I guess. Oh my god. Ugh. So, but you that
0: know, makes me so mad. Yeah, and it's and even you
1: know I've even seen you know like there's there's a place out in Eastern Washington the Stonehenge Memorial, um, and it's kind of like this you know replica of Stonehenge and um, it's very dry there and they even talk about on the signs around it like hey you know no open flames this this place <laughs> is really really sensitive, and, you know, it, it <laughs> we'll can catch a fire in it. Yeah, instant. And, like, you know, I've seen photographers that, you know, are big and should know better spinning wool in the middle of the Stonehenge Memorial, and it's just... So, I don't know. It's... I think... I think people are just after the, the likes, maybe. I don't know. I really don't know, but...
0: Well, if anyone's listening to the podcast and they think that shit is cool, you got... Something else coming. You're, you're not cool. Yeah, <laughs> you're no, lame. You're
1: not cool. Before you know it, you know you're uh, burning down the homes of two people and destroying, uh, you know, one of the Oregon's most treasured areas. And you know, but whatever. Uh, Just but,
0: for some fireworks. Yeah, for, and, and you
1: know, I, I get it. You know, people are like kids will be kids and things like that. And you know, I don't know. It's yeah, it's, I mean, it's sad. Parent,
0: like your job as a parent is to teach your kid when it's the right place you know to do stuff like that yeah and doing it in the middle of the woods is definitely not a good idea period yeah. no
1: especially with as dry as and hot as it's been lately but if you would have told me you know five ten years ago that the gorge would be burning down i'd be like kidding me this place is like a freaking rainforest nothing can burn in this place but you know climate change happens and summers are getting longer drier hotter um and yeah, yeah, it was like
0: 105 degrees in Portland this yeah, summer, like right? Yeah,
1: every year we have at least a couple days over 100, and you know, I remember back in the day when you know 90 was a hot day. Now right? 90s typical, and you know, it's the the over the over 100 degree days that are uh, the killers. So
0: it's that, like uh, two really bad things converging at the same time. You got yep. the popularity of of social media and people wanting to get noticed. So they go off and they do really stupid shit to get noticed. And then you have the environment becoming more and more fragile. Yeah. Um, even if you don't believe in climate change or whatever, like it is more fragile now than it used to be. Oh, yeah, totally. So, I mean, it's just a bad combination, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, maybe this is Mother's Nature's way of fighting back, being like, "Look, you're, you know, it, it, it's, it's seriously like I cannot believe how busy it has been in the gorge within the past couple of years. Like, you know, I've, I sat yeah. in traffic at Multnomah Falls on the Columbia River Highway for forty minutes.
0: You know I, know, I was just
1: trying to take the scenic way through, but it's like, you know, you have that one small parking lot and everybody's trying to like wait right. for the one car to leave, and, and it's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Aniante on Gorge yeah. looks like an like a public swimming pool. um
0: <laughs> Disney Gorge.
1: Yeah, Disney Gorge." Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it, ha- it 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 was bound to happen. Sad to say, and maybe this is Mother Nature's way of like hitting the reset button, being like, you know what, fuck all you guys. I'm going, <laughs> I'm going back a little bit, you know. Right. And and you know, I'm sh- I'm sure like the gorge won't be as busy. Um, you know, it's it happens. It's nature, you know. Humans are nature, and whether or not it was going to be a lightning strike or you know, a, a campfire or a kid with fireworks, you know, something like this probably was going to happen. And there can be some right. benefits to the ecosystem from this, you know, I'm not an expert and I don't want to talk on it. Cause you know, obviously I don't, I haven't really researched enough or anything, but you know, this fact is, you know, nature is going to come back. Like, you know, the gorge has been, you know, tortured for, for decades, for, for hundreds of years, you know, between logging and canneries and, and all these other things going on, and and it comes back, you know. You you yeah. see Mount, you know, you go up to Mount St Helens, and you see the destruction there. Like ten years ago, it looked like the surface of the moon. Now, like you're seeing all the plants come up. So, if something, yeah, if, it's it, interesting. If Mother Nature can come back from a, a volcanic eruption like Mount St Helens, like it's going to come back from this fire, and maybe not in our lifetime, but it'll be back. And you know, the the fact of the matter is, is right now this is like one of the most like unique times for the gorge in our lives. You know, it's. New views may be opened up, you know, like the right. That's the, true. The non-native plant species that were taking over, hopefully they'll die off, and you know the the native species can flourish, and you know maybe some more uh, fauna will find its way in, and you know it's it's going to be interesting to see the changes, and you know I'm going to be out there all the time, you know I'm I'm already in contact with the service or the uh, Forest Service, my contact there to get out there and help rebuild trails and um
0: you oh, know, that's cool.
1: Yeah, it's it's not going to be, you know, it's still going to be beautiful, just in a different way. And you know, I think we need to really search deep and think about, you know, our place in the universe and how small and insignificant of a blip that we are in in time and realize that like, you know, like shit's going to be okay. But uh <laughs> you know, we're just going to have to find the beauty um in different ways.
0: Yeah. So. Meanwhile, it seems like people still want to shoot waterfalls, so they'll probably go to the other side of the gorge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: that's that's definitely. Uh, I mean, in, in, for workshops, you know, that's that's where I'm going to be looking. So, but yeah, you know, obviously, you know, who knows what's going to happen with, uh, you know, the the tourism now, and are people still going to want to travel from all over the world to see? this burnt landscape you know they they always came for the lush greens and the, the autumn colors but are they still going to come from for this burnt landscape you know it's i guess we'll have to
0: it'll definitely be different you know yeah. <laughs> so
1: we're gonna have to see um but you know I'm, yeah. a, I'm excited to get out there and you know get get the trails open back up and and uh just see see what happens you know it's yeah. it's a very interesting time. i
0: think I, i'm kind of with you i think it'll be interesting you know we had a where where I'm from, Colorado Springs, we had a really bad fire there back in 2012, and it was right when I started getting into photography, and so it was actually cool, like the next year to go up there where the fire happened and and photograph the area that was burned. Like it was, it was it was just kind of it's totally different. Like you had like a lot of stuff growing back, but then a lot of stuff just burned, and but it definitely changed the entire view of what you were looking at. Like it was it just gives you a different appreciation for the, the power of, of a fire like that, yeah, you know? Totally. Um. <laughs> it's,
1: you know, it was, yeah, it's... Uh, it was crazy to see, you know, just... I didn't get to uh, go to the gorge and see the full-on fire, but I had driven through a couple times and can barely make through... make some embers out through the smoke. Um,
0: and, oh, right.
1: You know, it was, it was pretty damn emotional, you know? Like, I have a really... Strong connection to the gorge, and you know, a lot. Like I said, a lot of, a lot of battles fought, and yeah, you know, also you know that's that's where I was earning you know, the significant portion of my photography income. So to see that raining down on my car in ash uh, was, was, heartbreaking.
0: But um, you sure. know, you,
1: you go through the stages of grief, and you know, um, you you move on. So. Yeah,
0: I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, this is probably an unpopular, uh, <laughs> unpopular viewpoint, um, or maybe I completely missed it. But one of the things I saw happening when that fire happened was it seemed like everyone who had gorge photos was like posting the shit out of their gorge photos. I think for one or two reasons. One, because they were sad. Mm-hmm. Which I get, but I think some people were just trying to take advantage of the situation and get more views. Uh, is that just me being really um, <laughs> pessimistic, uh, or do you think people were doing that?
1: Um, I, I I definitely think there probably are people out there that are you know trying to find the social advantage or the monetary advantage to the situation you know i'm one of those people i was posting some of my photos but it was more like an homage to you know a place that i knew um and you know i think a lot of the photos that i saw on social media uh were people coming from that angle but Yeah, yeah, yeah and there are definitely people out there that are you know that probably have like you know those intentions that you that you mentioned but um I think by and large, it was just people really kind of, you know, dealing with it through sharing sure. of their images, through photography. You know, that's that's how I deal with the battles, and or the, the battles right, in my right. life is through photography. And, you know, it seems like that might be... Uh,
0: Maybe I'm just really cynical. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I,
1: I'm I'm cynical too. Um, I try to keep it in check. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have to be positive and, and look for the... The, the good in people um, in order to keep myself safe otherwise you know life gets rough for me so um I, yeah i always i always hope hope for the best and try to you know have faith in people even though oh. I maybe shouldn't <laughs> but no, they're, they're de-
0: right i mean there
1: are definitely good people out there and you know absolutely um, but yeah so i i, I think that's it's a mixed mixed bag but By and large, I think people were just kind of shocked and dealing with it through the sharing of their images.
0: Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) So um, when we corresponded about you coming on the podcast, you sent me um, something, and I really wanted to dive into this topic because, first of all, I don't know if I fully understand what you're trying to say, but I think you'll be able to just dive right in. So um, you, you sent me a sentence that says, Either the photograph moves you or it doesn't. The process is irrelevant. Tell me what you mean.
1: Um, You know, I think as photographers, you know, we get highly critical of our own workflow or the workflow of others and certain techniques and the way that people do things, whether it's uh, focus stacking instead of using hyperfocal or it's, you know, processing with luminosity masks or panoramas or, you know whatever have you, like there are all you know, people create their photos in different ways and, you know, being a, a kitchen person, you know, I don't like, before I get to that, it's just like, yeah, it's it's more about like the the photo is like is the product, you know. Like, the end result. The end result. Like, you know, if I look at a photo and it touches me in a certain way, like, I don't care how it was made or, you know, And and you can get into the whole argument of you know, digital photography versus you know, that whole tired argument that I just don't even get into. It's just like, you know, I'm gonna do my own thing and that person can do their own thing and that's cool for them and this is cool for me. Like, I don't give a shit. Like either the photo moves me or it doesn't and if I like the photo, cool. It's a cool photo. I am enriched for having seen it. If I don't like it, then I'm not. But whether the person used (laughs) focus stacking or hyperfocal or whatever, you know, too much Orton or not enough Orton or whatever the hell you want to argue. uh, It doesn't, I don't care. So I think I I said one time that um, I'm like, you know, if the cake tastes good, I can care less if the baker measured his flour in cups or in tablespoons. Like it it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's about the cake. So I don't know. it, It was just kind of a thought. Like, you know, I, I, I just see so much of just, that argument comes up all the time of processing and and what is lying and how much processing is too much processing and you know where does everybody draw their line and people trying to draw their line and other people's sand and it's just like just focus on yourself and focus on the art you know when we spend some yeah time I used
0: to bickering about I used, I used to care a lot about it and then um i've I I found it was just like it was poisonous like you just started you know getting into arguments with people for what like yeah, it's like like you said either the photo is good or it's not like who cares how it was created yeah it's it's like it's art like if I'm a painter, do you care if I use a certain type of brush or a certain type of paint like right and it's the it's the end result that you should care about yeah,
1: and and i'm and you know what I'm sure those arguments happen in the painting world too um but it's just, oh, it's, sure. it's just not for me. Like you know, it's like you know, everybody tries to tell each other what they should or should not be doing. And you know, for me, instead of you know, instead of saying you know what they did that and they shouldn't do that, I'll say you know what they did that and that's not for me. And I'll go find something that is for me, because right. that is their own. That's their own deal. That is a product of their own making. I don't have to consume that product. I don't have to like that product. Um, I can go find another another picture somewhere else that I like. You know, there's plenty of photography out there for you to find what you like. Um, but it's just like no the, the bickering and like that, you know, that argument, that it's never going to, there's never going to be an answer to that. It's just arguing in circles. And it's like, you know, put a Bernie bro up against the Trump supporter and let's see if one of them can change each other's minds. It's not going to happen. You know? <laughs> it's not going to happen. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I think just as, photographers i think we'd all be better off and the the medium would be a lot better off if we just focus on the art and just stopped bickering about the process so much It's just it just gets annoying and nothing gets solved and
0: although i think there are some um some bright lines that shouldn't be crossed that deal not so much with the process of creating the image but perhaps the process of um getting the image for example like using a drone in a national park oh yeah totally. without a permit yeah. or or using spinning wool in a place that could catch on fire like like to me like if, even if the image is awesome like you shouldn't have done it oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean
1: there could be yeah that i mean that's just that's just poor taste, you know, Um, not following like actual regulations that are designed to, you know, keep everybody in check and things like that. Um, So yeah, having, having poor taste about, you know, where you take your image or how you capture your image is one thing, but to like, you know, try to say that somebody, you know, shouldn't be focal length blending um, when it's just their way of overcoming the limitations of a lens, uh, like big deal. Like, you know, right? Like you know, and and, and I know that's that's a, a popular stance. That you know, or that's something that it gets argued about a lot is, uh, you know, if I take a, a fourteen millimeter shot of a mountain, the mountain's in the middle, and I have this lake in front of me, the mountain's going to be super small. So why don't I shoot the mountain at you know, eighty millimeters or whatever, and bring that in, bring it closer, so it's not that pinhole cushion. Like that's just a that's overcoming the technical limitation of your lens. You know, the same thing as as bracketing for exposure because your sensor um, has a limitation um to me like that that's how i view it and but you know you you get everybody arguing about whether or not it should be done and it's just like do you like the picture or not because if you do like just let 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 yourself be enriched by having viewed that photo um i don't know it's that's just my stance on it but it's yeah the arguments get old
0: yeah it's uh, I've had that conversation so many times with so many people. Um, and it's, uh, I, I, I i keep coming back to the same place you do. Like, at the end of the day, what matters is the end result. And how that result was achieved it isn't really all that important in the grand scheme of things, honestly. Right, right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, it's about the cake, not so the measurements. <laughs>
0: So, um, speaking of, uh, that topic, one of the things you said, and I think we've covered it a little bit, but I wanted to see if you wanted to expand upon it at all was, um, why do you do what you do? Why do you go out and take photos? I know you said that it it helps you kind of battle your demons and stuff like that, but I'm at some point, like you didn't just pick up a camera and realize that you were, you had a tool to battle demons. Like I'm sure that was a process for you. So I'm just curious how you came to realize that, that that was part of it and, and, and just answer the question, why do you photograph? Um, you no, know, I, th-
1: um, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, a lot of it does come back to, um, it's my way to connect and the photos are more of a byproduct of that rather than the, the generating force, uh, but I think what I liked about photography from the get-go, um, back when you know I was using a Canon Rebel 35 millimeter film camera to shoot punk rock bands, uh, was that <laughs> it stopped time. And yeah. it's like, you know, if you think about, if you think about it hard enough, um, like we, we never we never really live in the present. You know, we're we're always living in the past because by the time we experience something and or see something, you know, I can be looking at this flower right here on my desk. Um, by the time I realize that I'm seeing that flower or like that fly, fly away, like that image has already happened or that, that process has already, I'm sorry, that has already happened because of the nanoseconds it takes for those signals to reach my brain. By the time I realize that they're happening, that moment's already gone. So we're always right. living in the past. Um, and what I... Feel like I liked about photography is like when I snap that shutter, it froze that, for me to like put in a bottle and save it for later, so I can experience that moment at any other time. If that makes sense.
0: It does. Yeah. So it's like absolutely. You know
1: it. Yeah, we 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 never we never truly get to experience the present. It's we're always living in the past, which I think is kind of weird.
0: It is weird.
1: You'll we'll have, uh, we'll have to listen to this podcast high and see if I sound any better.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure some of my listeners do. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: but, yeah, so it's, I don't know. It's, uh yeah, it was just, it it's neat to take a picture and to see it come out. And, you know, there's, it, it's so simple, too. Like, you know, like it's. Yeah, I mean, aside from the chemical process and everything, the film and you know, all the technolo- technology and all that stuff. But like the act of taking a picture is pretty damn simple. You push a button, and all of a sudden you have that moment, like just captured. And I think that's that's what initially drove me to photography. Um, and you know, I'm a very I, I I'm a very free flowing type thinking person, but I also have a very High level of OCD regarding some things, so it seemed like processing photo, taking photos and processing them was kind of like a marriage of the two. Because I get really, really into making sure that like I have everything down to the pixel exactly where I want it, and I will spend time agonizing over three degrees of hue changes and things that nobody else <laughs> will notice. But I like knowing that something is exactly how I want it to be before I release it. Yeah, um, which is like. It's kind of like this part of me that doesn't fit with everything else. So with photography, I get to be creative, but also use this really um, kind of controlling aspect of myself over something that I'm doing. You know, and it was the same thing with cooking. Like I, I love cooking, and in the act of cooking, um, I don't like baking because you have to measure things for baking. But I liked cooking. But all of my ingredients and all my station, everything was set up exactly the same every day. It was very clean. Everything had a place and um, so it just allowed me to marry like that—that that really controlling, organizational part of my brain and this kind of just aloof part. So, right. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think you know I discovered like how cool photography was, and then just started realizing that it uh, can be of a b- bigger benefit to me.
0: Yeah, no, that that hits home for me too. I think you know for me it's like. Um, when i when i look back at some of my favorite photos they they weren't necessarily like the best compositions or the best um light or whatever but it was like it was a moment in time that means something to me that i'll always remember yep. and it it's awesome having that photo to be able to look back on and say yep that was a freaking Awesome day, like you can remember. The, that was
1: you can remember the sights, the sounds. Uh, at least I can. I can remember, you know, the moment that I was pushing that shutter. Um, and it's a it's yeah. it's a period of time where I was like in tune with the universe, and I was, you know, I was just I was in my place, and that is kind of how I what I take from it now. You know, it's I'm, a, I'm not just getting a pretty picture, but I'm I'm actually getting a byproduct of a time where I was like. Feeling, a certain way, so I get to touch that every time I look at the photo.
0: Yeah, I have this, this photo I took way back in 2011 when I had I wasn't even very good. I'm still not good, but, um, I remember I crested the top of this mountain, which was a pretty tough climb, and right as I crested the top, the sun rose on the horizon, and I was like scrambling to find a way to set my camera up because at that time I wasn't carrying a tripod with me at all and so I've, I like built a little cairn on top of the mountain so that I could have a makeshift tripod to shoot the sunrise and it was not a great photo but man what a great like memory I'll never forget like the way I felt that day you yep. know and it's like it was tremendous Yep.
1: that's <laughs> an awesome thing you know it's like I said it's it's connecting ourselves to nature you know it's to me, it it just makes it mo- much more profound and intimate, um, rather than just kind of yeah. sitting there. I get to uh, I pay attention to a lot more things when I'm looking through my my little viewfinder. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, you've I assume you've listened to a couple episodes um, of the podcast yeah. and you know what's coming. So I'm curious, uh, based on the name of the podcast, uh, f-stop collaborate and listen. What advice would you have for other landscape photographers.
1: Ah shit, you know, I I think uh one of the the things that I will always take with me um was actually told to me by Aaron Reed. And I can't remember what the context was, but it was just like don't forget why you photograph. You hmm. know, like shoot for yourself and don't forget why you do it. You know, like don't don't start doing it for the wrong reasons. You know, and I'm starting to, yeah. You know, now that I'm going to be doing this full time, you know, I obviously you know need to have, be a lot more productive with my imagery because up until now, you know, last year I think I released six images all year. Um, uh-huh. This year so far, it's it's uh, October and I've released released four. You know, um, and now that I have all this time on my hands, I need to be careful to not release images for the wrong reasons Um, just to get like you know business drummed up or to create momentum I need to make sure that I, I release photos that you know I'm always had but just maybe more regularly now that I have the the time to give to my business but yeah I would say just don't forget why you shoot shoot for yourself don't get caught up in the noise and you know just try to try to get in touch with the artist in you i think you know i'm just i'm really just kind of coming to terms with that and like i said it's a lot of things that i can't can't necessarily articulate but um you know I'm, i'm seeing things differently now i see the world differently and i see images differently and and i know why i like certain images and why i don't and that only comes from being very introspective about yourself as an artist
0: yeah i had a I've actually lived that other side of that coin, you know, when I lived in Oregon, I feel like for about a year there, I was shooting for the wrong reasons. Um, And it, I could tell looking back in a lot of my photos, like, they just lacked something. Like I was, I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. And so I made a pretty conscious decision to, to not really care what other people think um and just focus on shooting for myself and it's made a huge difference because i'll go i'll go months without taking a photo and then i'll just something will spark me to want to to engage that part of my brain again and i go out and i'll shoot something that maybe isn't even that good but it was still like i'm shooting for me not for facebook likes or you know whatever so Yeah. yeah i think that's 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 awesome advice man. Yeah, and, it,
1: and it's you know it. I, I find that I press my shutter button a lot less now you know I I yeah, will go somewhere too. and you know I'll yeah it'll be really pretty but like you know I, I don't press my shutter unless I feel compelled to I'm not just out snapping photos away and you know throwing something in the wall and see what sticks you know like I said like I'm I'm deciding what I'm putting out there to the landscape and some, like I said sometimes it talks back with a photo that really that really connects with you know connects with me so
0: yeah absolutely yeah so the last thing um who would you love to hear on the podcast
1: hmm well i know we uh we talked about uh i suggested alexander duchon but it doesn't sound like that will work out um
0: yeah, I already reached out to him. He just he doesn't feel like his English is there. Yeah, I mean, he's. But I did watch some of that video you sent me yesterday. It was pretty awesome. Yeah,
1: like he, had that uh, that movie about him, uh, the quest for inspiration, um, very very well done. But yeah, he will make you. He will both inspire you and make you hate your, make you feel, make you feel like shit about yourself as an artist at the same time um but it's really yeah it's really inspiring to see somebody who puts that much work into it and that much thought and just the way he says things about it is uh is amazing um you got guy tall on there so that would be another one uh but i'll talk to i'll talk to ted when he flies in tomorrow see if i can get him on on the podcast for you ted gore
0: yeah i would love to have ted gore on he's he's been a inspiration for me for a long time for
1: many people and you know he's been he's been very quiet so maybe he has a lot to say so we'll see what we can do but (laughs) but also you know uh like i said uh eric bennett is flying in tomorrow too and he's uh i've been talking with him a lot recently and we're hoping to partner up on some workshops coming up and uh he's 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 got the he's got the the side of the artistry that that jives with me so i enjoy that so you should hit him up too
0: Cool. Yeah, that's those are awesome suggestions. Thanks, man. No problem. Well, cool, man. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to to come on the podcast. It's been really fun to talk to you about about all this fun stuff and make fun of uh, all the idiots that are using smoke bombs. Yeah. Really?
1: <laughs> no, I, I I totally appreciate it. God. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. It's an honor to be on. <laughs> honor to be on here. Yeah.